Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We're in week two of the setup, and this is the final week of this series. I told you last week that the phrase setup has two very distinct meanings that are in direct contrast to each other. Let me refresh your, your memory on the first meaning. The first one means to put in a compromising or dangerous position, usually by trickery or deceit. The second meaning is completely different. It means to put in a place of advantage or success. And I told you that when it comes to the ways of God, these two meanings can be one and the same. That there are times when we are put in a compromising or dangerous position that leads to a place of advantage or success. And we saw that last week when we looked at the the very well-known story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Where Goliath was challenging the men of Israel to -to hand-to-hand combat. He wanted one man from Israel to come out to the battlefield and fight him. One-on-one combat. And if Goliath won, Israel would have to be their servants. If, if the one man from Israel won, then the Philistines would have to be their servants. And, and he clearly knew, Goliath knew that he had the advantage in this up-close, hand-to-hand combat fight. But what he didn't realize is that David had no intention of getting that close to Goliath. Because David was trained in the art of rocks and slings. He had already killed a lion with a sling. He had already killed a bear with his sling. And and I told you that yesterday's lions prepare you for today's bears. And today's bears prepare you for tomorrow's Goliaths. Now, before we get into today's teaching, let me just kind of throw this out there. Because today is not going to feel like it's for everybody in the room. In preparing this message, I understood in my mind, I, I, could, I could get it that, that not everybody is going to connect with this. But let me challenge you. Because some of you are going to connect right off the bat because that's where you're at. At this place in life, you're, you're going to be right in the middle of this text. You're going to be right in the middle of, of this sermon today. But for some of you, you've already been there. You've already done that. And if you will allow it to, it will speak volumes to you on why what happened, happened. For others in the room, you haven't quite reached it yet. And I, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is preparing you for what is to come and the battles that you will face down the road. And so there's three types of people in this room, and I, I can assure you that if you will allow it to, this message is going to speak to you and it will guide you. John Sedgwick was a decorated soldier. He graduated from West Point in 1837. He successfully fought the Seminole Indians in Florida. He aided in the removal of the Cherokee Nation in Georgia. And during the battle of the Spotsylvania Courthouse in the Civil War, now Union Major General John Sedgwick was inspecting his troops. And and at one point he came to this wall over which he, he gazed out in the direction of the enemy, the Confederates. And his officers suggested that this was unwise. And they even told him, why don't when you get close to that wall, why don't you just duck down? And the general snapped back at him. He said, nonsense. They couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And just then, in a moment of profound irony, he was struck and killed by a Confederate bullet. Last words that he ever said, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. 
He became the highest ranking union casualty of the war. And this is a common problem, church, with success. You've seen it happen. You've watched people climb the corporate ladder. You, you've watched them as they have succeeded in life only for the rug to be pulled out and everything comes crashing down. How many times have we watched as someone climbs that ladder and then plummets to their demise? We see it with some athletes. I won't say any names, Johnny Manziel, but we see it. We see it sometimes with athletes. We see it sometimes with musicians, with, with actors. Sometimes we see it with uh, politicians. And, and I'll tell you, it's sad to say, but I have even witnessed this with some pastors. And not just a few. I've seen this happen with many pastors. That they climb the ladder of success and suddenly a, de a decision that they make causes that to come crumbling down. They do the right things to get to where they are. They are committed to finding success and then the bottom falls out. How can someone that seems to have it all together lose sight of morality? How does this happen? And so now I, I want to rearrange our definition of setup. The, the two definitions combined together, I want to kind of flip them around and give you this definition. That there are times when in a place of advantage or success that we will be placed into a compromising or dangerous position. Let me read it to you again. There are times when in a place of advantage or success that we will be placed into a compromising or dangerous position. That as God sets you up for success, the enemy is at work to set you up for failure. And the more success that God brings into your life, the more the enemy wants to see you fail. Last week, we looked at David the shepherd boy. God set him up for success and David capitalized on it. Not only did David defeat Goliath, but, but David became a great warrior in the Israelite army. 1 Samuel 18 and 7 says, And when the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then 1 Samuel 21 and 11 says, And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Not only were the Hebrew women and children shouting his praise, people in his own land. But his arch nemesis, the Philistines, they are saying the exact same thing. His popularity is spreading. People know David is the man. David is successful. People are fearing David. There was once when God directed him to go and save the entire city of Kali from the Philistines. He had integrity also. That's a lot of things you don't see in many leaders anymore. Integrity. He had integrity as a jealous King Saul tried to kill him numerous times. Often David would be playing his harp in the presence of Saul because the Bible says that the evil spirits would surround Saul. This man was going insane. And as King Saul would sit, would sit in the presence of, of, of David as he played his harp, the evil spirits would leave Saul. He would bring a peace and a calm to the man. But David, as he was playing his harp, 
He knew that Saul also had his hand on his spear. And there would be moments when the rage and the jealousy would take over so much that Saul would, would take his spear and he would sling it across the room trying to kill David because he was so jealous of him. Numerous times this happened. But, but, but he continued to spare Saul's life for years, possibly even a decade or longer. Saul continued to to hunt David down, trying to kill him. David went into exile, running for his life from fear that Saul was going to kill him. And numerous times David had the chance to kill Saul, but chose not to. There was one time when the Bible says that Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. I'll let you figure out what that means. But he went into the cave to relieve himself. David's hiding in the cave, has a chance. Saul is separated from his men. He has a chance to kill him and chooses not to. There was another time when Saul was sleeping and David sneaks up on him, cuts part of, of his garment. And, and later on, when Saul is down the cliff and away, David steps out of the cave and says, Hey, Saul, I could have killed you last night, but I didn't. I've got respect for you as a king. Man, quit trying me. Quit trying me. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He could have killed him numerous times, but he had integrity. Eventually, after Saul's death, David fulfills his destiny and becomes the king of Israel. We knew it was going to happen. He had been anointed at a young age to be the next king of Israel. Maybe that's why Saul hated him so much. Because he knew this young man is going to follow me. And, and success follows him wherever he goes. And even after David becomes king. He continues to be successful in his quest. But a person can only take so much success before it starts going to their head. I told you this is going to minister to some right now in this moment. Some of you, you've already been there. You're going to learn from those mistakes. And some of you, God is preparing you for where you're heading. You can only take so much success before it starts going to your head. If you're not careful, you can climb too high for your own good. It's possible to ascend too high, stand too tall, and elevate too much. And if you stay there too long, your senses will start to suffer. It starts with your hearing because your hearing is impacted. Success will mess it up. It's hard to hear people when you are higher than they are. Their voices grow very distant and you don't hear them anymore. Your eyesight also starts to suffer at an elevated place. It's hard to focus on people when you are so far above them because they appear so small. You can hardly distinguish one from the other. They all look alike and you treat them all the same. You don't hear them. You don't see them. And you're above them. And that's where we find David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, David has never been higher. He's somewhere around the age of 50 years old. The country is expanding. The country is prospering. David is making Israel great again. He has been on the throne for nearly two decades at this point. He is an accomplished warrior, an accomplished musician. He's a statesman. He's a king. His boundaries stretch for 60,000 square miles. He has no defeats on the battlefield. There are no blemishes in his administration. He is loved by the people and he is served by his soldiers. They are faithful to him. He is at the height of his career. He is successful. David's life is at an all-time high. And when you find your place there, that's when you need to be careful. 
When you find yourself walking in success, that's when you need to be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbi. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof, the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. David stands at the highest point of his life in the highest position in the kingdom, at the highest place in the city, on his palace balcony overlooking Jerusalem. If there's ever been a man that was high and lifted up, at this moment, he was. But one decision causes this man's entire world to come crashing down. Bathsheba is pregnant. David tries to cover it up by bringing her husband Uriah home from the battlefield. Because he's in hopes that Uriah will go and sleep with his wife and then they can claim that it's his baby, not David's. But he underestimates the integrity of Uriah. And, and, and Uriah comes home and, and he says, no, if, if, if my fellow soldiers are out there serving on the battlefield, who am I that I should have this opportunity to sleep with my wife? And he won't even stay in the same house with her. David even tried to get Uriah drunk, thinking that he'd let his guard down a little bit, and then he'd want to be with his, with his wife. But, but Uriah, he won't bite. He won't go that direction. And, and so David then has to go to the extreme, and he has Uriah sent back to the battlefield. He, he actually carries his own orders with him to present to the commander, and Uriah is placed on the front line of duty to be killed in war. This is premeditated murder at its best. A man high in stature, a man with great integrity, a man who is successful. Everyone looks up to him, even his enemies look up to him and fear him. And in one moment, it all comes crashing down. David's life is falling apart right before him. How did this happen? Don't forget how we found young David last week when we were studying in 1 Samuel. We, we find him in the valley of, of Eli and, and we saw him kneeling at a brook. And it's there where he is searching for five smooth stones. All others stood. His brothers stood. The Israelite army stood. King Saul stood. The Philistines stood, Goliath stood, but, but, but David, we find him kneeling down. 
trying to find five smooth stones for battle. The others were high, standing, but David lowered himself. James 4 and 10 tells us, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't ever forget that. If you have a hard time finding success, humble yourself before the Lord. He will exalt you. Once you get there, once you find success, humble yourself before the Lord and he will continue to exalt you. David was belly down in the lowest part of the valley near the brook and he was depending on God more than ever before in his life. Never lower, yet never stronger. Three decades later, we find him on a balcony. Never higher, but never weaker than he was. Don't forget, church, what it took to defeat your first giant. Because how you defeated your first giant is exactly what you need to defeat your next giant and your next giant and your next. He was just a, a low shepherd boy, humble. Didn't walk onto a battlefield with the best armor and the best sword. He was just who God made him to be, a shepherd boy that knew how to use a sling. And God used him in a great way. And, and, and that's how he defeated his first giant. But through the years, something changed with this man. He forgot what it took to defeat that first giant. And if you're not careful, you will become exactly what you despise. You see, Goliath was an arrogant bully. He stood on a battlefield and insulted another army. He talked about their men. He talked about their God. Talked about how we are going to make servants out of you. He was an arrogant bully. And now we find David as an arrogant bully. The most powerful man in the land is now an arrogant bully, just like the first giant that he defeated. He went after another man's wife. He could have had anybody. But it was one of his faithful, faithful men that was serving in the army. These men, would, they were willing to die for David. And he goes after Uriah's wife. And I have to believe that he knew who Uriah was because when he asked about Bathsheba, who is this? They said, oh, it's Bathsheba. You know, Uriah's wife. They actually mentioned him by name, but that didn't matter because when you feel all powerful, you have no disregard for anyone. This, this is what I want. I will take that. And it took a man by the name of Nathan to, Nathan to point it out to him and to say, listen, let me tell you this parable. What, what happens when a man takes another man's only lamb takes his only sheep. What, what, David says, that's, that's horrible. He says, well, you're that man. You took that man's wife. And one decision causes the snowball effect that keeps David's life begins crumbling at that moment. Proverbs 11 and 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
Proverbs 29 and 23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Now listen, all three of those were written by David's son, Solomon. I bet, I bet Solomon learned from his dad's mistakes. But then you get over to the New Testament in Luke 18 and 14, and Jesus says these words. He says, For everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. David had simply become too big for his britches. You know what britches are, right? Dungarees, trousers, pants. David had become too big for his britches. And David never quite recovered from his battle with the giant of success. His life was never the same after that. That child died. The one that, that he was having with Bathsheba, that, that child didn't live. Another son leads a rebellion against David, wants to split his dad's kingdom, wants to take over and, and, and just destroy his father. There was just instance after instance. This man that had it all was successful by all of the worldly standards. His world came crashing down and he never quite recovered after that. Church, don't make the same mistake. It was once said, tis far wiser to descend the mountain than fall from it. Now there's an interesting part of this story that, that just stands out to me because I think I can relate to it. It's interesting to me that as long as David had Saul in his life, he remained humble in his success. It wasn't a good relationship. Saul hated David. He despised David. He was jealous of David. But as long as David had Saul in his life, he remained humble in his success because someone throwing spears at you and trying to take you out, that will keep you humble. For those of you that have ever been under attack by someone in your life, you'll know this. Those attacks, whether they be verbal or physical, those attacks, they have a tendency to keep you very humble. How many times in my life, how many times in my career, in my ministry, have things been soaring? Man, we, we, we are just kicking on all cylinders. Things are good. Programs are thriving in the church. And all of a sudden, somebody steps into my life and they say one negative thing and everything comes crashing down around me. We tend to despise these types of people. We, we despise the thorns in our flesh. But what if those thorns are actually serving a purpose in our life? What if the Saul's in our life the naysayers, those that are negative against us, what if they're there for a purpose and, and, and God is actually using them to keep us humble? Olympic competitor Jessica Ennis ran her career best time in the 100-meter hurdles at the Powerade Great City Games on Sunday, May 20th, 2012. And, and as she crossed the finish line, she was ecstatic. She knew she had a good time. You can imagine her disappointment when she found out that the race was null and void. It didn't count. And the reason why it didn't count was because the race officials had only put out nine hurdles instead of the mandatory ten hurdles for the race. She sat 
her personal best time. And it wouldn't count because of somebody else's mistake against her. They, they didn't even notice at the track. It wasn't until another runner who wasn't even at the event saw it on TV and she tweeted, they need to go back and, and count the hurdles. I think they're missing one. And sure enough, they went back and counted. And just a few moments later, they had to tell this girl, Jessica, that time doesn't count. Don't despise the hurdles in your life. You need every single hurdle. You need every single obstacle in your life. I know you don't see it when you're in the middle of it, but somewhere through that, God is going to grow you. God is going to mature you, and he's going to use it as a stepping stone for your success. We need obstacles before, during, and after our blessings. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who was very successful and, and was very influential, he was a great soul winner. He, he wrote over half of the New Testament, but he made this observation in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 when he said, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Let me break this down for you and tell you what Paul's saying. He's saying that there was a tool of the enemy, a messenger of Satan that God put in his life to keep him from becoming conceited, to keep him humble. Man, when you start looking at some of the obstacles that, that are in your path and some of the people that are discouraging you and you start recognizing them for what they are, listen, you don't have to succumb to them. You don't have to believe what they're saying, but what you do have to do is recognize that they may be there just to keep you humble. And as long as David had King Saul in his life, he remained humble. But at the moment King Saul was taken, something started spinning out of control with this man and he became too big for his own good. I'm learning to appreciate the thorns in my flesh. I need the Saul's throwing spears at me. I need the Goliaths that are taunting me. Because I need to remain humble. I'm not afraid to admit it. I know that God has blessed me with success and it's only by the grace of God because I am so unqualified for this. But God has blessed me with success. And so the next thing that I have to realize is that the enemy does not like that success and he is setting me up for failure. I've said it many times and, and, and I don't mind repeating it, but if the enemy's not fighting you, you're not worth fighting for. He's got you exactly where he wants you if he's not fighting you. And so at some point, we've got to count it all joy. We've got to look at these things that are coming against our lives and we've got to think, you know what? This is here to keep me humble. I don't have to uh, agree with it. I don't have to believe it. But, but I'm just going to look at this as, as, as it's there to keep me humble. It is just another hurdle in my path. Sometimes I've just got to recognize that it doesn't always work out the way that you plan. Somewhere in the middle of all that, it, it helps you remember that you're human. That you're not above it all. That sometimes the troubles are going to affect even your life when everything seems to be going just right. I was given a thorn in my flesh to keep me from becoming conceited is what Paul said. No matter where you're at, 
Maybe you've already been there and you've already experienced success and one decision cost you everything. Your kingdom came crumbling down. I want you to listen to me. Let me speak some life into you right now. If that's you and your entire world crumbled because of one bad decision, if you believe that you were the one that gave you that success, you're in trouble because you may not ever experience it again. Every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven, comes from the Father of lights. If you believe that he's the one that set you up for success, then he's the same one that can resurrect you and bring you back to success. Maybe you're there right now. Your career is soaring. It feels right. Stay humble. Stay humble. Recognize who got you there. Understand that the way you treat people, it matters. They're God's creation and the way you treat them, it matters. Don't step on people on the way up. Bring them with you. Maybe you haven't reached that point yet and you are, you're striving for success. Etch these words in your mind. When you find it, don't let it change who you are. Don't let it change who you are. Don't let it change who you trust. Because every time you trust in your, your own abilities, the enemy's going to use that against you. And you'll find yourself one day standing on a balcony when you're supposed to be at war. At the time when kings go off to war, David stayed home and was letting other people do the work for him. It messed him up. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.